0: You're listening to a rock candy podcast.
1: This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and we are here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. For more shows like this one, Go to rockcandyrecordings.com. All right. Well, as always, before we get started, I have to thank my patrons. My patrons are my personal lords and saviors, and I truly could not do this without them. Uh, So for this week, I have to thank Denam, Ven Winter, Kelly, and Julia. Thank you so much. I truly could not do this without you, and every little bit helps And if you're listening to this and you would like to join their number, please go to patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long for a dollar, three dollars, five dollars each month. You get extra content every single week, including my podcast House of Heretics with the former Salvation Army officer turned Christian heretic Timothy McPherson. And we talk about politics and meditation and philosophy and Satanism and religion and whatever is on our mind that week. So if that interests you, please go to the link in the show notes. Also, one of the best ways to support this show is to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts that tells our digital overlords that the show is worth recommending to others. You can also now leave five stars on Spotify, so I ask that you do that as well if you were listening to this on Spotify. And finally, this show is sponsored by the Satanic the Satanic Temple has an incredibly rich and interesting and creative community, and there is all kinds of fascinating stuff going on over at the thesatanictemple.tv. It is a streaming platform for Satanists and the Satanic adjacent. So if you are into the occult, if you are into philosophy, if you're into ritual, and there's all kinds of other stuff on there like talk shows live streams, music, feature-length films, documentaries. There's all kinds of fascinating stuff over there, and you can get one month free using my promo code, Tension," all caps, no space, at checkout. All right. Well, with all of that finally out of the way, I'm incredibly thrilled to welcome Richard Lang to the show. Richard Lang, how are you?
0: Hi, Stephen. I'm well. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Yeah, so I'm really really pleased that you have taken the time to talk to me because you are a teacher of one of I think the most fascinating forms of meditation and I just want to say from the very top to all my listeners this this is going it is going to sound crazy mm-hmm. it is going to sound absolutely crazy well, and that I just, should
0: appeal to them.
1: Yes, it should. It should. <laughs> and so I just ask that you hear us out. <laughs> so I...
0: Um, the, I oh, that's a vote of thanks. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> that's, a, that's a vote of thanks or something. Yes. A vote of confidence. <laughs> Absolutely. Just hear us
1: out. And um, so I first encountered you on Sam Harris's app, Waking Up. And as you know because this is the the internet i have to give the caveat that me mentioning sam harris dear listeners is not a blanket endorsement of everything sam harris thinks or believes right but he has assembled an extraordinary community of teachers on the waking up app and you are one of those teachers and so tell us some about who you are and what you do
0: well, I'm Richard. I'm in London, and I came across the Headless Way more than 50 years ago when I was a teenager. And I was, uh, I'd been a Christian. Then I ran out of steam with that. It didn't give me what I was searching for, which was really my true nature. Then I started reading around when I was 16 or 17, the different religions, read a bit on Buddhism, went to the london buddhist society summer school in 1970 and met douglas harding who is the person who introduced the headless way and uh, he showed me who i really was with uh, some simple experiments and i recognized not only my true nature but i thought this particular way is brilliant Mm -hmm. and douglas was always open uh, for being visited as friends. He, he never had students, he had friends. So I used to go and visit him and got to know him. And very soon began running workshops myself, even when I was still at university. I, I traveled around America with him when I was 21 running workshops and uh, just felt that it was a, a great contribution. And he wrote a lot. I read everything he wrote and uh, I explored other things along the way, uh, but my heart was always in the headless way. And so I've, I've traveled a lot running workshops and made a lot of friends and continue to make more friends, uh, people who value this uh, particular way home. And uh, we've got a growing community and uh, all of that.
1: That's wonderful. So let's go ahead and get into it. To the uninitiated, how would you describe the headless way?
0: Well, I would say that if you read around a bit the great religions, you'll find a common message, which is that you're not just what you look like, to put it in modern jargon, that within you at your center is a great treasure. And this treasure is timeless and spaceless, actually, but it is uh, creative and loving and inclusive. And that message really is in all the great religions, I would say. And I suppose each religion has a different way home to that place. But the Headless Way is a modern approach to that same treasure at your center, nearer to you than your breathing. And uh, what it's based on, you could say, is that you're not what you look like. What that means is, is a question. The question is, who am I? What am I? And what am I from my own point of view? Mm. And you can start, however, with other people's points of view, which is if you look at me from six feet, I'm a person with a head. So, you know, if I'm asking the question, what am I? I might say, well, Stephen, who do you think I am? And you'll say, well, you're Richard. And I say, well, you're that far away. You see, say so you're six feet away, so you can see Richard. But I understand that, that things change with when distance, when the observer's distance changes. So what happens if you come up to me and you say, well, at this closer range, you're just a patch of skin? I go, oh, that's interesting. Come closer. With the right instruments, oh, you're a cell oh, you're a molecule, oh, you're an atom, oh, my goodness, you've practically disappeared. So, in other words, I'm like an onion, and what I am changes with range. And, in fact, you could go away and you could see that at a greater distance my town comes into view and then my country and my planet, my star, my galaxy, you see. So then the question is, well, what am I at the center of all these layers? It's not Richard, because Richard is one of the layers which I, you know, important there, but just one of the layers. So how do you find out what is at the center? So that's a modern scientific way of rephrasing the question, who am I? And half the question is, who am I for others? And that changes with range. And the other half of the question is, who I am who am I for myself? And when I look simply to see what I am, I notice I can't see my head. And I know I can see it in the mirror or on the screen if I'm on a video meeting. But right where I am, when I look down, my body disappears above my chest. I can see maybe a bit of my nose. I've got sensations. But other than that, no head. And what do I see instead of my head? I see the world. And I could... That I think is such a simple observation. Now obviously you need to explore it more in lots of from lots of angles but that's the basic thing what are you looking out of and society has told you from their point of view, from its point of view what you are a person but I'm saying now put aside for the moment what society tells you, what your memory or your knowledge, your upbringing tells you and look now. What can you see, you see? And I find this open awareness full of the world. So that's a, a starter, Stephen.
1: So where your head should be is just the world.
0: Yes. And and when I look at you, you see, this changes everything. Because when I look at you, I see your face, but not mine. So I say that from my point of view, I have your face instead of mine. I am mm-hmm. face to no face with you. I am you. Yes. Now that, you see, is a game changer.
1: So I think that what this is getting at is what Sam Harris calls non-dual meditation. So I was, I was actually, as I was falling asleep last night, I came up with this metaphor to try to explain my experience of meditation. It's like the the, the way we typically go through life is imagine a river and it's like, I'm, I'm a swimmer, but I'm caught in the rapids. And it's like the, the the river is the experience of life itself. The river is our emotions, our reactions, our responses, our relationships, the whole, you know, breadth, the whole river of life, right? And kind of our default state is to ride along the top of that river, just carried along by it, right? But then it's almost like mindfulness meditation vipassana is putting your feet down in the sand in the riverbed and holding still so you're no longer being carried along by it and then turning around and facing that incoming flow of experience and just experiencing it and letting it wash over you but then non-dual meditation and this is where I might lose people, but it's true to my experience. What Sam Harris calls non-dual meditation is the awakening to the fact that there is no swimmer at the heart of that river. There is just the river and that's it. And so the, the experience of you vanishing, that sense of self, of being a, a being behind your eyes, thinking and reacting and so on. That's an illusion. And I remember the first time that I experienced this and I had been meditating for years and I've been a yoga teacher and 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 so on. But it was Sam Harris who uh, in his introductory course on waking up where he it was very simple. He, you know, in the middle of a meditation, he said, look for the one who is looking look for the thinker you have a feeling of being a thinker you have a feeling of being a you have this feeling of being a subject looking at an object and i'm totally lifting all of this language from sam harris by the way so the none of none of this language is original that i'm using and when but when i did that when i looked for the one who is looking inside myself my sense of self was snuffed out like a candle and it was so st- startling (laughs) it was so sudden and it was so startling to me that it was almost like suddenly I my body revolted and just and then my sense of self just roared back into existence and so it 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 was like a, a a second of selflessness what you are describing is a different, uh, another approach using our visual field to also experience that non-dual experience of no self and instead open awareness. Would you say that that is a good articulation of what you're getting at?
0: I think that's very good. Yes, Stephen. I think that First of all, the headless way isn't just visual, that's a good way in, but this is about testing the hypothesis that you are space for the world, that you're not what you look like, and uh, you test it in every way you can. The the other thing is that, actually, personally, I'm not that much of a fan of the phrase non-dual, but everyone to their own, you see, because the experience itself is non-verbal, and the experience itself is also the most accessible thing. It's a joke, really. Your awakening to your true nature is advertised to be difficult. And, uh, you know, looking at an object in front of you is easy, but seeing your true nature is hard. It's actually the other way around. I will demonstrate this uh, now, because I, I think that the listener, you know, I'm just going to guide our attention to our true nature. And then, then you've got it. Then you're the authority. You see. So, uh,
1: before we do this, if people are driving while listening to this, maybe be careful. <laughs> if people are driving while listening to this podcast, maybe don't do this exercise. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they shouldn't do this while while driving. A lot of people listen to this show while driving, so just a yeah, quick well, warning.
0: Uh, yeah, you, if if you're driving, then don't do the pointing experiment, which I'm going to take you through. Perfect. You can imagine doing it, or do it later. There you go. But what you you see, what the the art of seeing your true nature, which is what it's all about, seeing this boundless awareness that you are, and then living from that, and uh, exploring living from that. So the 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 whole thing is right from the beginning to have the experience rather than wait for it. And so, uh, if you're not driving, <laughs> mm-hmm. what you do is you get your hand and you point at something in front of you. So this is, I think, Stephen, you were going to uh, say at the beginning, it's crazy, you know. Well, it, it, it's not crazy, actually. It's very childlike. You point at something and you look at that and you say, well, that's pretty easy to see. You see, you're pointing at a thing, but I mean, you can't see the back of it. You may not be able to see the inside of it. You, you don't know what it looked like, you know, a year ago, perhaps, or, you know, there's so much you don't know about it that you don't see about it. So it's a very partial seeing. And point at one other thing in front of you, and it's the same. You know, you can see the color and shape and texture, but you probably can't see the inside of it or the back of it, or you don't know how it was made, or all of that. All right. Now, turn your finger around and point where others see your face. So you've got to do this. Directly point back at the place you're looking out of, and you don't see your face here. So I'm going to describe this in positive terms. I see open space here that is full of my finger. Now, there's nothing to get wrong here. You can't half see the space. You can't see the front, not the back or the left side. Or You know, it's just indivisibly open. And that space that you're looking out of is full now of your finger, my voice and everything else going on. And that is it. So very quickly, I need to say that this is not necessarily a wow experience and we have this idea that waking up to your true nature is going to be a big wow and you'll never have any more problems and you've got it you'll never lose it or whatever that means you know And now everybody will you know bow at your feet <laughs> 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 well you know the last one i get but the rest no <laughs> <laughs> joking but To be serious, this is a neutral experience, which is confusing for people because of this advertisement that it's supposed to be a wow. But I mean, I look now for my face. I don't see it. Instead, I see the world. And it is a kind of neutral thing. But there are a couple of things to say about it. First of all, it's neutrality. I mean, first of all, is it true? That's the fundamental thing. Whether you like it or not, whether it gives you a wow or not, is it true? And the Headless Way is about testing that. And you might come up with all kinds of objections. Well, I can see my nose or I can feel sensations or, well, we test those. We go into those. You don't accept any of these, but but you, you test it. So the first thing, is it true? The second thing is uh, that I say you got it. You can't see your head, instead you see the world. But you will react differently from anyone else. Mm. And our temptation is to look at someone else and they go, wow. And you think, well, I don't go, wow, well, so I can't have got it. you know. Or they seem to be incredibly calm now, but I'm all agitated, you see, so I can't have got it. No, you got it, but you're just feeling agitated. So we can think about that. But my challenge or my My uh, claim is that this is the simplest thing to get, Hmm. but it's not a wow. But there's one more thing I want to say, which is that it is neutral and yet it is extremely positive, you could say, because this space that you're looking out of, first of all, it's aware, self-evidently, here I am. Secondly, it is full. It's not just empty. It's full of the whole world. And it welcomes the world. And when you're with people, it welcomes them. So actually, on the one hand, it's neutral. But on the other, it is hugely welcoming, hugely positive. And uh, well, there, that, that's there's a starter. Yes.
1: Would you say that part of the experience is... Let me see if I can put this into words. Part of the experience is kind of separating our labels and conceptions of what it means to be a human with a body with a head you know it's like we see ourselves in the mirror we see other people walking around us and and so we have this uh this uh kind of conceptual framework of we have a head we our mind is behind it behind our face and and kind of divorcing that that conceptual framework from what we actually experience does, does that make does that make any sense yeah, I think like that's a
0: yeah good way of putting it Stephen okay yes uh, and I'll fill in on that a bit but uh, I would say that everyone will describe it a little bit differently and um it, it that i understand that so the you know you'll say it in that way and i'll say it in my way but a third person will say it in another way and they're all valid right yeah. Yeah. so what you said there about the difference between what you look like in the mirror to others and so on with a head, and what you are from your own point of view is headless. And there's the difference between your inside and your outside, what you are at center and what you are from a distance. But briefly, we can fill that out a bit by thinking of our personal development. Very simply, four stages, the baby, the child, the adult, and the seer. The baby's headless. When you were a baby, you were headless. You'd be pre-verbal, you would pre verbal you just looking out of open space, you're at large. There you go, you see. You've no idea of what you look like. Look in the mirror, that's not you. As you grow up, your parents and others reflect back what you look like to them, which is with a head. And they point at the mirror and say, that head there is on your shoulders. You can't see it, but we can You need to learn to understand, like you said, that you're behind that face, that your thoughts are behind that face, somewhere in that head, so that you can function, so that you can understand who people are talking to when they talk to you, you see. You can become self-conscious. So the second stage of the child is you're coming out of being this, only this open space and becoming self-conscious, but you move back and forth. You haven't quite got in the box when you're four or five years old, you see. As you continue to grow up and get involved in society, all the feedback is of you as a person, what you look like at six feet. None of it actually is about what you are for yourself. No one is validating your spaciousness. Everyone is validating your solidity, which is totally appropriate. You need to take that on board. So in the third stage of the adult, Then you are completely identified with what you look like. Look in the mirror, that's you. If anyone said you were headless, you'd go, you're mad. Of course, I've got a head. I'm a thing. I'm a solid thing separate from everyone else. I am what I look like, you see. So that's the third stage. And hopefully you don't stop there and you go on to the fourth stage, which is reawakening to your own first personhood, which is headless and spacious, whilst maintaining awareness of your third personhood, your appearance. So I'm talking to you, Stephen, and I'm all aware of my open space in which we're happening and the whole world is happening, but I'm also aware of being Richard and you being Stephen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See. Mm-hmm. So the, the difference between the last stage uh, and the first stage is, is a baby, you an idea of your individuality. Hmm. You were just spacious. But in the fourth stage of the seer, you've got both. And you don't have to somehow get rid of your sense of individuality. That is all uh, part of uh, that, that stage, really.
1: Another, I'm just trying to think of analogies that might be helpful for this. So, it's like, you know, my one of the experiences that I sometimes have within meditation is kind of the breaking down of arbitrary boundaries. For example, this will probably complicate things for my listeners, but I'll, I'll go for it anyway. Um, it's like d- deep in a mindfulness practice, the boundary we going through life, we tend to have a sense of boundaries between inside the body and outside the body. For example, thoughts and sounds. Uh, thoughts and sights. Emotions and thoughts. And it's like deep, when we're deep in a meditation practice, the boundaries between all of these kind of partitioned experiences really start to break down. and is like the the realization that as a matter of pure experience, they're all actually happening in the same sphere, just in the same conscious space. And the boundaries are superimposed. the the boundaries are superimposed onto that kind of, uh, 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 you know, sphere of experience. And so the boundaries of inside, outside, thoughts and feelings, sound and thought, so on and so forth, all of that is superimposed by us. But as a matter of pure experience, if we pay really close attention, then it starts to, to dissolve. There's a, there's a similar thing that happens with the headless way, I think, where it's like as a matter of pure experience... It's like we know technically that we have a head. (laughs) Physically, we know it. But as a matter of experience, if we pay really close attention to just the conscious experience, there is no center and there's just this open awareness. And it's like if we pay close enough attention, then these arbitrary impositions that we place on experience just through living our lives, you know, and looking at ourselves in the mirror and interacting with others and so on. And it's all very developed, you know, developmentally appropriate. But it's also from a purely experiential level, an illusion. <laughs> Am I? Is that helpful? That I might have just way overly complicated things, but is that a helpful way to articulate that?
0: Well, yes, and it's your way of articulating it now. Mm. And I would add to that that the headless way is ongoing meditation. I'm meditating now. If you want to give it that august title, I'm seeing that I'm space for what is happening, and this mm. is natural. Uh, I would I would add something or put it slightly differently that. Uh, It doesn't, for me, mean that I've got to stop thinking or uh, kind of trying to raise my boundaries. All of that knowledge is happening in the space too. Mm. And uh, one realizes one can uh, keep both things running, really. I am space with no boundary. Everything is in me. And at the same time, I can see a difference between me and Stephen or so on. The other thing that I uh, will throw in here as well is a developmental thing again, which is called the theory of mind. Now, when you are a baby, by and large, you have no developed awareness that uh, others are conscious. And if you have thoughts or feelings, they're just part of the view, like you were saying, you know, the, the sound is there and the feeling is there. Uh, And the sensation of hunger is there. It's not inside a box here. And uh, you look at someone uh, and you look at their face, their head, and you've no idea, no developed idea that there are thoughts in that head, a mind over there separate from you. And they do tests to, you know, explore uh, whether an infant has worked out yet that others have a different experience for them. And and, uh, do you know that one of the the box and the crayons, uh, Stephen? Oh, it's fascinating. Well, what what you do is you get a young infant and you put a box in front of them and you open it and you show that there's colored crayons in the box and then you close the box. And someone comes in the room and you ask the infant, does that person know what's in the box? And you say, of course they do. There are crayons in the box. I mean, it's just knowledge, right? it's just there are crayons in the box so it's common (laughs) knowledge you ask the same child do the same thing put different things in the box i suppose six months later and the child says of course they don't know they didn't see so now they understand that what you think and feel and see what i think and feel and see is hidden Mm. and that that person over there has a different experience now, this is called theory of mind. So in other words, you now understand that that person has a mind that you can't see, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Which also means that's the theory of mind goes with the theory of head,
1: mm.
0: that you have a head you can't see because you've got thoughts, but they can't see them. So they must be in your head, right? Right. They can't be out there in the world. So, they so must- it's
1: like a, a self-reflect. So it's, it's like reflecting that reality back on yourself
0: yes yeah yeah there you go you see Mm. now uh so then uh, that is an important phase of maturity and that is individuating and you've got to consolidate that and and, uh, develop your sense of a boundary and that your thoughts are not out there in the world they're hidden and when a child can uh starts to keep secrets or even tell lies From a certain point of view, this is a very good sign, because they are aware that their inner experience is private, Mm. Mm -hmm. and that they can lie about it, and no one will know, (laughs) you see. So, that is a good sign, you know. Yes. (laughs) Now, you've got that going as an adult, and now you think that theory of mind and theory of head is the way it is, and you function on that, even though, if you're really honest, you you don't know that anyone else is thinking. There might be zombies, right? Mm -hmm. mm-hmm you might be the only one that's a solipsism yes you see but you function as if there are others and as if you're in a box you see now when you wake up to who you really are you see oh no head no box right Mm -hmm. and no mind out there or you could say well I still feel like I'm in a box and there's someone there, but now I know that when I attend, my voice doesn't come from a mouth. It comes out of the silence. And my thoughts, you know, I think of a number. Where does that come from? It just comes out of nowhere, right? Out of no mind. So then I apply the same thing to the other person. I say, well, I accept your thinking, but now I know you're like me, that your thoughts come out of no mind there. So this is the theory of no mind. Mm. So Stephen, Mm. you see, I, I, Now that I'm aware I am space for the world, I say to you, well, I accept that you're in the same condition, right? And now we have an incredible thing in common, our identity. And we can talk about it as we are doing now. And I've got my voice. You've got your voice. You've got your view out from the space. I've got my view out from the space. But there's nothing in the the space itself to divide us. Now, that is a game changer.
1: It is. Yeah. And, you know, I I frequently, so I'm, my day job is I manage a grocery store. So I am constantly surrounded by the public. My entire life is just people nonstop. And doing this practice of, you know, while I am surrounded by people, Mm. say I'm at the cash register, and i just look around and i'm like where's my head i don't notice you know i don't see my head there's <laughs> and and then i point at my face and i point at myself and i'm like what am i pointing at nothing there's nothing there there's nothing <laughs> as a matter of peer experience there's nothing that i'm pointing at and then i look around and i see all of these people and all of these people being in this wide open judgmentless space
0: yes yeah.
1: and it's a it's a really special experience. it's like this embrace of other just this non-judgmental without yes. concepts without judgment this this uh I don't know how to describe it other than just an embrace of well you've described it very well yeah uh, in, an embrace of of whoever is in your sphere of experience and just this welcome. And it, it is a game changer. And then, and then when you realize that other people are, as you said, are also that same experience, whether they are aware of it or not, Yes, it changes, it, it transforms the dull and the quotidian and the mundane into the sacred. Yes, and exactly yeah yeah and and so i I like to think of the grocery store where I work as my monastery, and so it's like a, every day I go to my monastery and i and I do these practices. um could you
0: well uh, just to say that i that's inspiring and that's beautiful, Stephen, and I know exactly what you're talking about mm. and uh, i you know people may not know what you are experiencing, but they'll pick up on something because people are sensitive and these things are infectious and uh, you know to see when you're in the grocery store that you're not actually in the grocery grocery store it's in you right yes it, you, you you see as three a, walls and you don't see the fourth
1: as a matter as a matter of experience yes. it's like as a yes. as a matter of experience and, and and so you know and this is an, i think an important confusion that could possibly happen there is, there are some people who might hear that and think Oh, they mean literally, physically, it is inside of us. It is as a matter of, of conscious experience that the eye... And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm fairly agnostic on the nature of reality, right? But as a matter of experience, when I look around, that is my consciousness. I am yes. seeing my consciousness. And it is all happening in this open space... That is me, as a matter yes. of experience. Yeah, and, and by the way, for I'm 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 lifting the term as a matter of experience, also <laughs> yes. from Sam Harris, from Mister Harris, <laughs> from Mister Harris. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hi, Sam. <laughs> Hello, Sam.
1: I doubt uh, he he doesn't know I exist, so I I doubt that he will uh, even listen to this. But I need to give credit where credit is due, and so a lot of the language, a lot of the most helpful language that I have found for this kind of stuff comes from. Sam Harris. Uh, and again, dear internet, that does not mean that I agree with everything Sam Harris says. We can you know have a nuanced view of certain public figures and appreciate their teachings in some areas and then disagree with them in others. It is possible. Well, on I the mean internet who agrees
0: that. with anyone 100%? I I'm
1: disagree a- with my with my husband.
0: there There isn't there
1: isn't a single human being on this planet who i agree
0: with completely um yes but our true nature this space that you're talking about is the same in in us all there's nothing different differentiating us from each other now that is where we're one. So we don't have to worry too much when we see things differently. And we understand that the words are going to be different. But you see, just as you in the grocery store are at ease and are conscious and are appreciative of what's going on, and that awareness leads to a kind of sensitivity and even kindness, and you know you were saying you're not bored it's all rather interesting i'm happening. never bored no yeah you see so uh i think that this is you've got to live it you've got to explore it you've got to play with it you've got to attend to it you know but my god what a what a endlessly uh inspiring treasure this is yes
1: and and i think that's one of the things that i so appreciate about the headless way and and Douglas Harding and yourself is that there's a playfulness to it that is so often lacking (laughs) in a lot of contemplative life. Does that, does that make sense? And like there's, there's a lot of, it's very somber so much of the culture surrounding meditation is just so somber. And I, and I love how playful and lighthearted the headless way is. It is a breath of fresh air for me.
0: I I think that perhaps one aspect of that is that if you think that you've got to clean up your act in order to find out who you really are, Hmm. you, I believe you've got an impossible job and uh, it's depressing and it's hard work and it's very incremental and if you're Mm. honest with yourself you keep backsliding i would say you know who doesn't Mm -hmm. if that Mm -hmm. is what it's all about uh, the road gets longer and longer and you think well in this lifetime or when and there's no guarantee Uh, so that you can. I I would find that depressing and I'd give up I think but actually the truth is you can get straight home right now uh, look to the look at the place you're looking out of and then walk your journey at from home really now that is light that is playful i mean you're home uh, and it's not dependent. You say, well, Richard, you you look depressed. You know, you told me you were depressed yesterday. You can't be at home. I say, I have space for depression. Hmm. You know, hmm. I, I have space for anxiety. I mean, my God, there's a war going on. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's, a, it's a very understandable feeling. But I am space for it all. And I'm coming from that space, you see. And that is that is serious, but it's not solemn. As you say, it's light and it's light hearted and it's light weighted and it's free. And the other thing is, is that you see, when I'm talking to you, Stephen, I have it just wouldn't cross my mind that you're experiencing anything different from me. Right. Yeah. So yeah. there isn't a kind of, you know, I think, Stephen, really, you know, you should sort of clean up your act a bit. I mean, really, you know, you, you, you've got a bit of work to do here. Look you at know, my I'm, room. I'm, it
1: needs to be cleaned up. I know, Jordan I, Peterson. You know, I really need to clean I'm, my room. I'm ashamed no, I'm kidding. of
0: even being, you know, <laughs> on the Internet with you, you know, this is going to infect my purity. You know, I mean, that that, that is we're two humans and one space. Right. And the space is ours, and it means there's no hierarchy and, you know, no one-upmanship and no getting anywhere. You know, at the level of our human development, there's an awful lot to do, but at the level of where we're coming from. This is, um, yes, a a joy that has no downside, actually.
1: What you just said, it gets to a... A, an experience that I had, so I am in the LGBTQ community, I'm gay, I am, and so I'm surrounded by a lot of very diverse people, and it's wonderful. And so I'm I'm surrounded by trans people and gay people and people of color and 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 people with disabilities and it's it's just kind of this wonderful diverse community. And in while while doing my practice and and you really do it's like coming up you know when you press up against the nature of your own consciousness, there I I had this this I had this really profound sense and it wasn't a big experience it was just this very quiet experience of realizing oh no matter how different we are on the outside no matter our skin color no matter our different disabilities no matter our different orientations sexual orientations no matter our different genders the fundamental quality of mind is the exact same. And the, the way that expands empathy is pretty incredible.
0: Yes. Yes. Headlessness leads to empathy.
1: It does. It, it uh, yes. leads to an expanding circle of, of, empathy. that's right.
0: Yes. Uh, uh, and in the most fundamental way, because I know that you're looking out of, you know, you've got a headless body there. You're looking out of, and that's not a trivial thing. That is look, noticing your body disappears into the source, mm. into this mystery, you see. You call it space, but the mystery, the source, the origin. And that that is common in all of us. And therefore, in a sense, I'm, by being aware of it where I am, I'm i am being aware of it where you are. I'm placing myself in your shoes. This uh, means that I, I, yes, have deep empathy for you. What, what are you doing there you've got i've got a bit distracted yeah, i'm so sorry
1: my cat needed to come into the room
0: ah okay, no, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's eli he is one of six <laughs> i am a i am a crazy cat lady and my partner has forbidden me from bringing home any more cats um, um
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> but, so i can hear but i'll, I'll add one thing to yes, that please. yes please because because uh Uh, When you see who you are, we call it trading faces. I look at you and I've got your face and you've got mine. Mm. We trade faces, you see. And uh, so in that sense, I'm in you and you're in me. And uh, in other words, when I look at you, I become you. I'm not Richard. I'm Stephen. Now, I mean, I mean that, there's nothing in the way. There, there's no distance. There's no service here keeping you out or the cat. Or the cat. <laughs> or the cat. And uh, this is very practical. You know, when you're in your store and you've got a customer, you are them. You space for them. This yes. is attentive. This is sensitive. This is empathic. This is what the world needs. And it's the truth. It's not a technique to make things nicer and deny a conflict, not at all. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. It is realistic. It, it's tough in a way. Uh, but at the same time, that toughness of that honesty is inclusive. And uh, you become the other. I mean, you, you, I don't think you can ever get used to it. It's such a game changer.
1: It is kind of startling every time you experience yes. it. There, it, and. It's the closest thing to real magic that I've ever experienced,
0: yes, it is magic. it is I it mean, is where does it all magic. come from? I mean, yes. it, you look out of this open space and there's the world and you go, Where did that come from? <laughs> that yeah. was that's a clever magic trick, you know, <laughs> and it keeps keeps happening, and it's real. you know, and it's 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 coming out of your true nature you know this is endlessly inspiring and it connects with all the myths you know the mm-hmm. the grail or the oracle or you know aladdin's cave this is like aladdin's cave it's got endless riches coming out of it Or we've known about this or you know since culture began since humans began we've you know since forever because it's just the truth but here we are, uh, you know, sharing it today and appreciating it in this particular way. Yeah,
1: you bringing up myth is, I think, really important. So I can hear two. Oh, oh, my cat is pushing the mic. Um, I can hear two objections coming from my audience right now. So the first would probably have to do with the fourth tenet. Uh, no, fifth tenet of the satanic temple, which is belief should conform To our best scientific understanding of the world, we should take care never to distort scientific facts to fit our beliefs. And I think that a lot of people who are listening who might be maybe because of previous experiences in, in religious settings, they might be a bit allergic to a lot of the kind of language that we're using and might assume that this is contrary to science to to kind of scientific reasoning and i really want to push back against that idea i i see no contradiction between what we are talking about and a scientific view of the world and i see no violation here of the fifth tenet of um y- you know not distorting scientific facts to fit our beliefs that as this is a matter of experience and we can it have extraordinarily uh, diverse experiences of consciousness that are profound, that have uh, a meaningful impact on our lives, and that doesn't need to contradict our scientific understanding of the world. There is no contradiction here. And I think the same is true of ritual. So for people... Uh, who who have been listening to my podcast go listen to my interviews with shiva honey about about the importance of ritual and and doing a, a cult ritual and satanic ritual and how helpful that is for catharsis and there is no contradiction necessarily between the importance of ritual and symbolism and our scientific understanding of the world and then i guess the the other objection that I hear coming. Well, can I just jump in on yes, that? please. First yes, please. Just,
0: just briefly, is one of the books uh, in the headless way by Dr. Hodgins called "The Science of the First Person." The mm. science of the first person, and this is a, a, the science of what you are for yourself, and it complements uh, the science of the third person, science of objects, mm. and uh, when I use phrases you know religious spiritual phrases or words you know I, I treat them very lightly as a vocabulary that you can take or leave the main thing is your experience and uh, as they say uh, there's two ways of reading the scriptures one is to read the scriptures to see if you've got it right and the other one is to read the scriptures to see if they've got it right and i go with the second mm. All right? you mm-hmm. are the authority on what it's like to be you and uh, take or leave the language.
1: Mm. So
0: that's my response to that first objection.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. and and then the the second objection is more specific to TST to, to the Satanic temple itself, where I, th- I think some people might be hearing this and, and hear the language of no self, or selflessness or open space or, you know, just a, a lot of that language and feel a conflict with Satanism as a religion of the self <laughs> uh, that, that uh, celebrates the unbowed will. It celebrates the, the unbowed individual who stands up against totalitarian authority. And so Richard if in this so it, it, the the satan that that we are referring to is a literary satan kind of more rooted in Milton and it's symbolic. We're non-theistic. We don't believe in a literal god. Instead, it's a symbolic structure around which we we build our lives. And so satan in this context is a literary icon that is based on the Miltonian Satan that stands up against, uh, you know, insurmountable odds against the totalitarian authority of quote unquote God. But in this context, God does not, is not like a Paul Tillichian ground of being or anything like that. It is the tyrant. It is, it is that, that's, that's the inversion of this metaphor, right? So Satanism is a religion that celebrates the individual. How does that mesh with the headless way, which is just openness, open experience, or meditation in general, which can be a sense of the dissolving of the self? I have here the Revolt of the Angels, which is one of the primary readings for the Satanic Temple. At the end of the Revolt of the Angels, Satan decides not to invade heaven. And everyone who is a, is a TST Satanist will be very familiar with this passage. But he says, no, let's not invade the heavens. Satan becoming God. Satan God conquered will become Satan. Satan conquering will become God. Let us avoid that fate. Instead, it is enough for us to conquer God in our own hearts. And Anatole France isn't referring to God as the Christian God, but God as the tyrant. And so when Satan at the end of Revolt of the Angel says, let us conquer God in our own hearts, I interpret that to mean: Let us conquer our inner tyrant. Let us conquer that that inner tyrant that imposes boundaries, that imposes arbitrary boundaries, that results in a lack of compassion and empathy. It's the self fullness that results in arrogance and pride, and bullying, and all of those things. And so at the end of Revolt of the Angels, Anatole France turns the focus from outward revolution to inward revolution against our own inner tyrant. And for me personally, the best way that I have found to explore that process, to to go on that kind of satanic journey of overcoming our inner tyrant... Is uh, meditation and stuff like the headless way. It over, it it quiets my inner tyrant that is obsessed with boundaries and divisions, and it and and uh, obsessed with delegating who is worthy of compassion and who isn't. And so that is a helpful way for me to incorporate this practice into satanic religious practice.
0: Yes, I I, uh, I think I understand you there. And uh, being aware that your space of the world is not, as I've said, denying your separate individuality. They both go together. But what has happened as we've grown up is we've allowed others to tell us who we are. And so when you see who you are, you're taking back your authority. You're You're the authority on you. And in a sense, you're not going to let anyone tell you who you are. You're going to look for yourself. And I look and uh, I see Richard and Stephen on the screen there, but here I see this open space and I accept both. Hmm. So uh, it's very simple in a way. Yes,
1: absolutely. (laughs) Before we wrap up, could you lead us in looking for our heads?
0: Yes. Well, I, I think maybe we just very briefly close our eyes uh, and uh, you if you do that, you'll become aware of a darkness and um you know put aside your imagination, i suppose or, or whatever and and ask yourself, well, how big is the darkness well there's there's nothing to compare it with. it's just there it is. and where is it? you see now I suppose you you've been told that's in your head, but At the moment, I don't find, I've got sensations. I don't find my head. The darkness is appearing in consciousness. And then you listen to my voice and other sounds, you see, that's the field of sound. And isn't, where's that happening? And I find uh, no container. The sounds are coming out of silence and going back into silence, you see. And then I pay attention to my body sensations, this cloud of sensation, I suppose. Well, without remembering what I saw in the mirror uh, uh, and so on, or what I saw when I looked down at my body, other sensations contained, you see, where are they? How big is the field of sensation? And uh, in other words, how big am I? Well, I, I have nothing to compare myself with. There's only one consciousness in my own direct experience. And the same with thoughts and feelings. I mean, lots of thoughts and feelings going on which I call my mind, I suppose. But how big is my mind? And where is it, you see? Well, it, it's just happening there, uh, in like the darkness and the sounds and the sensations. And uh, it's happening in this open space, you see. Now, what the listener is thinking about and sensing is different from what I am sensing. But the space that it's all happening in has no one's name on it or nationality or age or anything. And I say that's who you really are, including your thoughts and feelings and memories and sense of who you are as a person. That's all arising in this space. So that is accessible and not depend on mood. You see, and now you open your eyes again and basically nothing's really changed. Now you've got the visual field happening in awareness. And everything else going on but the place you're looking out of is this open undivided space that we all have in common that brings us together uh, which is so important to be aware of in in today's world with all our our conflict there's a little guided meditation stephen
1: thank you so much it's been a pleasure
0: Yes, and I'll just say that we have Zoom meetings and anyone who does the experiments and, and feels drawn to the Headless Way is welcome to, to drop in. They're free and there's lots on the website. So, you know, lots more experiments and YouTube channel and even a free free e-course. So there's lots available. So headless.org is our website and do feel welcome to get in touch if you're drawn to this way. And thank you, Stephen, for inviting me and uh just a delight to hear your experience in the store that's really inspiring and uh, you, you'll probably get someone walking in and saying face no face Stephen." <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't that be great it know? would be
1: fantastic yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah. Well, i'm saying
0: to you now face no face Stephen, and the joy to share it with you and hope to meet you again
1: absolutely you're welcome back anytime this has been a pleasure all right. Well, that is it for this show. The theme song is Wild by 117. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to music. The show is written, produced, and edited by me, Stephen Bradford Long, and it is a production of Rock Candy Recordings. As always, hail Satan, and thanks for listening.